Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, hey, welcome to the podcast. So, uh, Father Nathan and Father John here, we, uh, we're, we're doing the best we can. This is the old uh, college the try tonight. You do what you can, right? It is what it is, is what some people say. We went to podcast this afternoon. We had it all timed out. We had it planned weeks in advance. True. And then what happened? We had everything set up at my place. New studio. New studio. Got everything set up, and then what? Uh, You realized that uh, the podcast equipment that we purchased for you, after you fried the first set of equipment, uh, it only came with a European charger. Right. But then you decided to do a, you said, oh, I needed to pick, go to a store and pick up a converter. And I said, isn't that how you burned the first one? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you're the institutional memory of the podcast. I do remember stupid things that happen. Yep. You remember more than you realize. Baptism. More than you realize. More than you realize. Okay. Hey, um, we got to get into this podcast, though, because it's 1030 and you got mass in the morning, right? I got mass in the morning. So let's get into a topic that you're not going to be interested in talking about. How yeah, you're, you're just going to you're gonna do a you know, it'll be different super tonight. intense topic. It'll be different compared to the last few of my topics that you were really interested in. Yes. Oh, wait. That's... Okay. All right. Every... Let's just... You, you're trying to garner support for yourself. <laughs> I think you should just launch into your topic with gusto and then people are going to say man we're i having, really want to we're having so much fun bantering you know there's so many pro banter people out there that just love this you know there's it, a lot more there's a lot more pro banter people than anti banter people and i'm pretty sure that we have so humiliated the anti banter people right we've pushed them out let's can we just do a little bit more banter just to s- scotch more mm, depends the topic okay we are having a bit of a um uh a voter turnout event at the St. Joan of Arc in Arvada. Oh. I submitted my first survey in uh, three years to the parish. And the question is, um, uh, St. Joan of Arc is exploring the possibility of an evening mass. If we choose to uh, go with an evening mass, this would replace the morning mass, not uh, in addition to the morning mass. Mm. This would replace... The morning mass. So, do you one have no preference? Two um, would prefer to replace one morning mass with one evening mass. Two, three, I mean, replace two morning masses with two evening masses, or four, leave the schedule as is. If you were going to give a straw poll right now, where would you say that most St. Joan of Arkers fall in terms of the morning mass schedule? Leave the schedule as is. Leave the schedule as is is correct. <laughs> that is the that is the the the, the exit polls were, were were definitely saying that. Yeah. Right behind it was um replace one morning mass with uh one evening mass. Mm-hmm. I what I my question to you is <clears throat> how do I respond to this answer which was given multiple times both on the surveys and in person. Quote Why can't we just add another mass? Yep. And I said, that's like me saying, "Hey, do you want chicken or beef?" and you saying, "I like toys." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "It's not an option." I didn't offer it as an option. Right. 
It's not one of the choices. Right. And then they said, it should have been. And I'm like, you get four choices, people. And I told them, hey, I'm from Illinois. Vote early, vote often. But here's what they don't understand. I actually rigged the vote. Yeah, shocker. I, not rigged it in terms of like, I'm going to figure it out already, but I have a way of determining how the surveys are, um, how to make sure that it's a valid ballot. Hmm. I was a former election judge in, in uh, Illinois, and so every ballot is to a certain specification, but also I marked them with a blue highlighter before I put them out. And the only way you can see it is if you put them all together. If you try to do it separate from that, it doesn't have a blue high. It gets shredded. Okay. It'll be a dimpled chad, and I won't accept it. So you did this yeah. for your people. Yeah. This is an intense. Don't you already have a Sunday evening mass? Mm-mm. This is just for daily mass. Oh, daily mass. But by the time this podcast comes out, we're going to know. Because the, the reason why is nobody has an opportunity to go to confession right. in the evening. Right, right, right. And I, I can tell you that 48% of the sins that happen in St. Joan of Arc's boundaries happen after 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I'm not sure how we got on that topic from LaCroix flavors. Well, your, your banter was kind of lame. And I just like, I'm for the banter. You were kind of putting out some lame banter. So I was like, we're going to resurrect this. 48% of lame banter happens after 6 p.m. You know what? 68.5% of people believe in false statistics. That's true. Well, you're throwing me off tonight. You know, we got Irish whiskey. Uh, we should have podcasted eight hours ago. That's not your fault. but True. But here we are. Those yours? Uh, these came in the package. We'll talk about oh. it. Really? Don't oh. worry. Uh, I okay. have this thing where I hide random things that I don't want in Goebel's house. Yes. And he finds them immediately, which is amazing because there's crap everywhere in yep. this house. But yep. he can tell, like last summer, I left. <laughs> yeah. What did I leave? It was a that dead shirt. It was a t shirt, but I also left a broken um, external hard drive or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And I just hid it under the one of the cabinets, you know? And yep. again, if you could see this room, it's just like where I was staying. It's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. He makes the bed up in the whole bit, but. There's just crap everywhere. So the fact that within three hours, it's like true. literally, I was I was trying to get on a plane to Rome, and he was like, he finds it. So yep. I kept hiding this package, thinking it was some kind of random thing from Catholic Mutual funds yeah. or Catholic Health Initiative. Okay. It was actually a nice package from right. From but a here's listener. the thing, okay? You unlike most, people, your voice is getting loud and high. Okay, most unlike most people, when they get a package in the mail, they go, "Oh, I wonder what that is." I wonder what that is. I should open it and figure out what that is. Like, I'm interested to find out what's in the package. But he throws it into the back of my car. And then he come, you know, like I don't notice. And then he comes and he's going to say the night. So I, I set it out for him that he's going to see it. And then I hear him say to Hartley, just throw that in his room. I'm like, you freaking. I, I don't usually get packages from listener land, like beaver nuggets and these things, you know. Yeah. So I was. Well, I was, you do get them, but you've been in Rome, and I usually eat the beaver nuggets. That is true. And then throw away the card. That is true. So. Father John uh, is on the topic tonight, and he's avoiding it. I don't want to talk about it because you've already read this topic three months ago. What? Do you remember three months ago today, I flew home from Rome? How crazy is that? Uh huh. And what I wanted to talk about today in broad daylight. Hello, tone. 
Life in Peloton. The Peloton. A reflection on cycling and priestly fraternity. Yeah. Uh, you are so, recycling your cycling. Oh, that's true. No, what I want to talk about is... That's funny. I just threw how, away that article. Well, I got a copy for you tonight. That worked out well. That worked out well. What I want to talk about is how badly Sean Conroy's going down in this cycling challenge in the next two weeks. Okay, here's the deal. You um, called him a trans... Right now, it's September 12th. Yep. This podcast will probably come out around the 19th, 19th. or the 26th. Right. No, no, no. It'll come out the 26th. Okay. It'll come out the day before Father John's mastermind cycling event, Strava, whatever, uh, ends. More than you realize. You know, I still want an asterisk. 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 <laughs> because... I was leading on August 26th or 7th when we said I know, this thing is finished. a sad story. Let me get out yep. the violin. Wunsch yep. has been saying the same thing. Exactly. It was originally set to end in the end of September. Oh, not when I entered. You're talking to the guy who Greg Peterson said, you put the mental and fundamental theology. True. So, remember that. What we're talking you're, about, you're really, folks. You're really going to say Sean Conroy's going down right now? Oh, yeah. He's going down. It's over. In fact, I'll put money on it. Really? And I know you don't take bets easily. What? What are you betting? What do you want to bet? What you just said, we're putting money on it. I I get to choose to take whatever I want from podcast gifts over the next two years. Two years? Yeah, because you've been taking everything for the last four years. No way. One year. No way. Just the first cut. No all right. What else? I want to know. I want to know what you're gonna. No. What are you saying? Why that are you're you backing do? Sean? Con- I'm gonna beat him in the competition. Well, like while Father Nathan's thinking about this, let me just sh- explain what we're talking about here. So last fall, we had uh, a swelling of uh, <clears throat> companion priests and seminarians who were getting into cycling, which is great because I started cycling eight years ago, and nobody was doing it, and. Uh, uh, it's great to have a number of our friends, both companions and non-companions, who are, who are biking. And uh, we got a great thing going. But last fall, I was talking to Father Jason Wunsch, and I was like, we should have a little competition next summer. And uh, we'll pick a couple of the classic climbs, so mountain roads. And uh, on Strava, you can follow segments so you can kind of see it all. And then whoever has the best time up all the mountains combined wins and what do they win we'll get them a polka dot everybody pitches they get a jersey polka dot jersey from tour de france that's the best climbers jersey and uh, there was originally five guys so it was the five guys challenge right for the five climbs and so what do you get you get the jersey and you get a free dinner at five guys five guys burgers and fries great so you're basically working your butt off all summer for for a cheeseburger yeah and a nice jersey and the glory so about halfway through the summer there was a lot of hemming and hawing because three guys started breaking away and it was very clear that we had different classifications. It wasn't hemming and hawing. It was hemming. This is before you came on to it. There was some hemming. There was some hemming some. and less hawing, but a lot of hemming, right? Yep. So the hemming continued and we realized, well, we should we should kind of spice it up a little bit. So we have everybody competing for something, right? So Wunchy and Conroy and I are taken off uh, for this polka dot jersey. Ryan Kent, who's a great rider, Chris Constantine, great rider. They're just not as competitive. So no they, interest. They actually have lives. They just yeah, don't care. They were. They're busy like doing things like the new evangelization, pastoral work. Yeah, pastoral work, pastoral land. But then you got other guys like yours truly here, Father Nathan, 
Father Brady Wagner, Father Joseph Lajoie, right. Jake Machado, right? And Sean Conroy and Ryan Kent, anybody who's new at riding, we said, let's do a different jersey where so you get points for, you get 10 points for every mile and a point for every foot of elevation and total points at the end of the summer wins. But you got to start in the deficit of what you did last year. Right. Which means that when the dark horse, a.k.a. Father Nathan Goble, decides in the second week of August that he's going to start riding, but he has zero from last year, he all of a sudden is crushing everybody, mm-hmm. and they're working from a, a negative fifty thousand deficit. Yeah. So we and got a great thing going. That My, was the reason why I joined because right. I was told that it, the competition ended in August. Well, originally the competition ended in September, and mm-hmm. then it flipped August, and then it flipped back. So it's on its original date. Asterisk. You know what? You're the guy who writes on the survey. Why can't we have another daily mass? This isn't your decision. That's like saying nope. No, but once it, I once want cocoa pebbles. No, but once you enter into the competition with false information, then you're just like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, that's true. So you had it, but then the funny thing was, I had it, and, and then, then, you then no, and then there was the whining, the 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 hawing, the, the hawing, yeah, the he- and the then, hemming was earlier. Then Ryan and Sean now want to what deprivatize their commutes. Their there's commutes. a lot. Of, there's a lot of scandal and. This thing is shroud and scandal, but the number one which fan is, of this recently of is my mom. Yeah. My mom is, I think, in fraternal groups, so companions have these groups every two weeks uh, where we do a review of life and checking in on finances, relationships, mm-hmm. you know, chastity, all these different things. And one of the things we've had to add this summer is uh, doping. So right. there's mandatory blood tests now every two weeks, especially I'm, Jason once. I may have been giving Jason my blood for quite some time. <laughs> so... My mom is very excited about this. She's like, this is just so great. Guess who she's rooting for? Sean Conn. Sean Conn. But we figured it out. She's only rooting for Sean Conn to infuriate you so that you actually try. That's a sick maternal Yeah, it's approach. Minnesota. I love it. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really interested in betting against something I can't sabotage. Or you don't want. Without feeling bad about it. Because you secretly want me to win. No, because there's a part of me that's just like... These guys, these guys have done two or three. You could really say three professional rides. Who's these guys? Sean, you, uh, Ryan, Wunchy. Wunch didn't do it. He's doing one what of them. What are the professional rides? The Craig Classic and the Courage Those Classic. Those are just classics, man. They're not even races. That's 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 professional. You take off. And you just get to ride for the whole day. And uh, people feed you things in the midst of the ride. Pickles. Right. So can we just say, like, some of the rest of us have other things to do. I think I should get bonus points for every cutthroat trout I caught this year. No, different competition, Mm-mm. bro. Nope. I'm gonna. I'm doing the Cocoa Pebbles. All right. We'll, ta- we'll, we'll give you 100 points for every fish you caught on your family fishing trip a year ago. How does that sound? That was. I'll uh, add them up. One, was, two, zero. Oh, zero. That's right. No, on the, that was that zero. one. Really? The one a year ago. A year ago. Yeah. That yeah. one was it. Really so that zero? you can have. I caught point. one. Okay, so you got. I caught one. You get a hundred points. Yes. For the one fish you caught. Hundred points. Suck it. Suck it. Okay, so I wrote this article in May on the anniversary of the uh, of our ordination. And basically what I was saying is I was I have way too much time on my hand. I was reflecting on the nature of cycling because what happened was um, there's something interesting about uh, the the nature of 
riding and bikes together that's reflective of priestly fraternity of what we're trying to do as companions, which is to say that uh, we're better together and uh, we're safer together, we're healthier together, and that when we work together, it does different things. I was talking to my guys in fundamental theology, and I get in a, on my classes, I get in a lot of random tangents, believe it or not. Shocker. And one of the guys we were talking about, um, basically the thing I keep saying over and over again is a line from Jeff Heward, which is, uh, gentlemen, don't be weird. Don't get weird, otherwise you'll end up like the, the uh, Beanie Baby priest. You know about this. There's a priest with thousands of Beanie Babies in his yeah. rectory, apparently, and it's just like, don't get weird in your hobbies. And the guy said to me, how do you not get weird in your hobbies and interests? And the answer I gave was, you got to do it with your brothers. You create a competition. You socially engineer a right. competition right. on Strava, and then you pump everybody full of you know competition and right. testosterone. And then you you win, and then you make bets at 11 p.m. at night with a guy who has lost a few bets over the last few years. Not gonna happen. Right yeah. now, Brady Wagner and Greg Peterson owe me uh, donuts. They so do. That's true. I won that bet. So here's the basic argument for the relationship of cycling and priesthood. This is going to be published on um, homiletic and pastoral review. And Father McConey, who's the editor, says this is he just wrote very clever. Happy to publish it. Oh, so nice. He thinks this is clever. Oh, good. He, it's he, not particularly profound. He preached uh, Norton's first mass. Right. So the basic argument is this. Nobody would attempt to win the Tour de France by themselves. Cycling is a team sport, but it's a different kind of team sport because it's individual people, but you're working together as a team, right? And everybody has a role, and they're trying to set this up. When those teams come together, they form what's called a peloton, Right which just means a platoon in French. And it's a consecrated, uh, concentrated and consecrated in our point, majority yeah. of riders uh, who pull together. And when you watch this from an aerial view, like when you're watching highlights of the Tour de France, or right now it's uh, the Vuelta in Spain mm-hmm. or the Giro d'Italia, it's it's really amazing to like watch. Like a swarm of bees. It's like a swarm of bees moving together, right? Except so, when it's us, we don't really look like a swarm uh, of bees. No, we don't look like a swarm of bees. No. We look like a couple of like... We look like one drone going about uh, 50 to 70 yards ahead of everybody else, and then two guys riding together, and then one guy totally bonking. And <laughs> That is true. So it's more intelligent to fight gravity and fight wind together, right? That's why you band together. That's why the teams ride together. That's why the pelotons ride together. So drafting, pacing, and safety are three main reasons for why this happens. And, and the statistics show that on a flat road, 80% of the total resistive force on a bike is from wind, right? Uh, so riding together reduces this down to like 30 to 40%. It's significant. When you're in, in the slipstream behind somebody biking, you feel the difference. Like you're not pedaling, and they could be pedaling as hard as they could. Like I was behind you on Sunday. Except when uh, you're biking behind Jason Wunsch. And then it's like... Right. Then it's like a toothpick. Right. Right. Not helpful at all. So find somebody who's a little little bit. But you were drafting behind behind the Clydesdale. Right. It was. The, the Clydesdale. Mack truck. The Mack truck. So here is the, here is the point of the article and why this was of interest to me. My experience of being a priest for eight and a half years was that I kind of prefer to go on my own because I go harder and faster. And longer by myself. I think that's a Daft Punk song, right? Yes. And I do that in the parish, and I do that in cycling also. Like, I actually ride harder by myself. The problem is I'm not riding smarter. Sure. 
And so there's something about the endorphins that come, the pastoral endorphins of like going hard by yourself that make you want to say, I'm going to, I'm going to break out on my own and I'm going to do this on my own as a priest. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, and in fact, if I try and do this with other priests, it's going to slow me down. Yeah. Now, not everybody's constructed like this, you know? So you can say, I don't, that's not my experience, but my experience is that uh, I bike harder and faster and longer by myself. And that as a priest, I go harder, longer and faster by myself. When I'm not tethered to any pastor who's slowing me down mm-hmm. or any other guys, boom, I just go. I go at my own pace. I do my own thing. And I and I feel more effective as a priest doing that. But the problem is it's not smarter. It's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, and I would say that some guys, they don't work, they don't work faster or stronger or whatever. They work slower and spottier. Because just like, ah, I don't want to, I don't really, when I go out on a bike ride, it's just like, ah, I don't think I really want to do that hill. I'm just going to avoid it. Right. And uh, I, I, instead of taking that route, I think I'm just going to turn around, eat some more blocks and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, I just think, I think everybody has a different makeup and some guys just say, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to work harder in that regard. So. Right. So maybe this is focused more towards the, uh those of us who are a bit more intense by nature intense right so no but i think us- i think the i think the point still stands though i mean like the the point is doing it together you ride at a slower pace or pa- perhaps even at a quicker pace but at a smarter pace right exactly um when you study um these peloton dynamics what you realize um is that and just aerodynamics in general, one of the principles is the greater the speed, the the greater the drag. So it's very simple. The faster you go, the more that there's resistance. And so part of the problem, when you think about the priest who breaks out on his own and is like, I'm going to go harder, faster, longer by myself, he's actually creating a more of a drag in terms of if you apply aerodynamics to the spiritual life or to the, the life of the parish, he's actually creating more drag which is why in our diocese, some of our most talented guys have been the ones who burned out the earliest and the hardest, and, yeah. and some of whom have left the priesthood. It's, it's not so much the kind of lame ducks who are just like, I'm going to put this thing in autopilot and be a maintainer for the next 50 years. Yeah. They're still around maintaining. It's the guys who are like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to evangelize everyone for Christ. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to make my parish amazing, everything. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're dead, you know, and they burn out. The greater the speed, uh, the greater the drag. And I think that's true in kind of the high caliber solo endurance style priests that we're trying to create, um, which I called in my class with the guy, the guys all laughed, but I was like the stormtrooper priests, you know? Yeah. Just we, we need autonomous stormtrooper clerics to go fill our parish holes and just fill all these sacramental needs and it's like that's just crazy so yeah i mean you get to a point where it's just like there is no place there is no place for weakness there there is no place for um i don't know like sleep family relationships it's just do all of the right things according to what we think is the right way to be in relationship with parishioners right Heavy output, always making the right financial decisions, always making the right human resources decisions. It's like, oh my gosh, this is why this is why Saint John Vianney didn't have a staff. 
Yeah. But he always wanted to be with other priests, you know. So there's this like uh, infinite demand of pastoral need that the priest face. He's got finite resources. But the guy who can go super hard and he's super intense and says, I, I can fulfill, he really thinks he can fulfill this, right? But the problem is, if you start going with other guys and you start doing things like just honestly riding with you on Sunday, I did less miles at a slower rate mm-hmm. than I would have done yeah. if I was by myself. Yeah. But guess what I did during that ride? Talked a lot. Complained about my life. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's and we, a- process, we processed a lot of my life, um, and I appreciate that. John processed a lot. I uh, need a lot more oxygen right. when I'm riding, so I just listened. So know? my goal is to get Goebel to an anaerobic state where he can't breathe. And right. then and then just un- offload everything that exactly. I'm upset about. Exactly. So just like biking, Steve uh, said that the other. Actually, no, it was Jason. Jason said the other day. He goes, no, it was it was Steve and Jason. What the heck? They're both like Steve Sayah. Yeah, they were like, we want to ride with Goble because we know we'll go at a pretty easy pace, and you know we don't want to we don't want to go too too far today. It's like thanks, guys. Yeah, glad I can hold you back. Really appreciate that. No, the point is that, you know, um, when we were on summer conference with all the guys, we had a great ride, um, but we, but it was a sense of like, this is a family ride. And one of the things I find super interesting is that in the companions, you can learn a lot about the way, the way that a guy lives the common life or lives in community by the way that he bikes with other guys. His ability to be in a peloton, not in a peloton, his frustration or his his thing of like, I'm only going to ride with this guy and not these other guys, you know? Sure. I don't want to be slowed down. It's all about my PRs, about my times. This is me also. But it says a lot. It's very self-reflective. Uh, so there's something about the act of cycling. I don't know. Maybe you can do the same thing with golf or whatever. But I see cycling as this like interesting paradigm that reflects... Uh, our life and we're teaching guys how to ride together Mm -hmm. and we're saying there are times when you go for the prs like no doubt go for it but a lot of life needs to be lived riding together and yeah you're not going to burn as many calories if you're riding together but you're going to ride smarter and you're going to be it's going to be more sustainable and when we did some really long rides together over like summer conference it was because we were working together Mm -hmm. you know and so there's a healthy competition, but also there's something there that says there, there's something more about this. When I think about riding together with priests um, in terms of living life together, there's three things that happen both when we bike together and when we live in community. Um, number one, there's a new obedience that's formed. Number two, a new attentiveness. And number three, a new what I'll call a new acknowledgement. And this is what the article lays out. So number one, obedience, Right. When I ride together with you, I have to relinquish my plan and my control over what the ride's going to look like. If I ride by myself, I get to do whatever I want. Very simple, right? But there's an element of fraternal obedience that works into this. And priests talk about obedience a lot, but we don't really feel the call to obedience except when we're together and it's like, okay, what do you want to do, right? Like on Sunday, it's like, I want to go to New Terrain Brewery. Right. You're like, no, we should go to Old Town. We end up actually coming back here and having yeah, was, a beer here. Yeah, it was better. It was better, but we have to kind of, there's a fraternal obedience of like, I don't get to just do whatever I want to do. And something's really problematic when you live like that, you know? 
Well, I mean, part of it is, I mean, uh, one priest, uh, Father Hellstrom, says that since we don't have kids, we don't actually learn particular virtues because we don't have to have those experiences like staying up all night with a colicky baby or something. And I would say that dying to my own, dying to my own uh, desire for what the day is going to be um, is something that as celibates, we don't normally have to do. It's normally, what do I want to do? Where right. do I want to eat? Right. Uh, what appointments do I want to take? Right. Um, it's not like, um, this is what you are going to do. Right. So there's a lot of creativity and flexibility in priestly life. There's a lot of demands. There's high demands and there's sure. a lot of, um, just things that are just absolutely, um, essential, but there's a lot of flexibility there. There's that great line from St. John Birchman, vita communis est mea maxima penitentia. Communal life is my maximum is the Yeah, is the greatest penance. It's the greatest penance. And that's because when I'm by myself, running solo in ministry, being the awesome super priest, yeah. I can enjoy maximum freedom and minimal accountability, and that looks like an unfulfilled bachelor life. Oh, and I, I get to determine what I want at all times right. and I am the ultimate standard. Right. And and that's why I said like if we don't have to learn those virtues then riding together with somebody else means that I either need to pick up the pace or slow down the pace or we both need to come to a particular pace which is going to challenge both of us for different reasons. Right. So. And that's a great lead into the second one which is a, a new attentiveness. So like when you're riding together or you're living in common as priests you have to be attentive in a different way. One of the main ones is for the possibility of collision, right? Yeah. Because you're, however, a foot oh, yeah. away from each other, 10 centimeters, whatever. But, um, and the maxim here that I learned in cycling and in, in priestly ministry together is that I'm more attentive to myself when I have to be attentive to others in close proximity. And it's different when you and I do that, or when you and Father Dan and I do that, or Father Mike and I do that, and then when we do that with parishioners, it's just it's there's a different kind of ambit that we operate out of. Mm-hmm. But I I kind of see what I'm like when I'm in close proximity. It's the same like biking. It's like you see if you're sporadic when you're in your pace or you're kind of unsteady in your riding. Like you feel that when you're with other people versus when you're riding by yourself, you don't actually see that. So sure. there's a new attentiveness that has to come. Yeah, because I can take up the whole road. Or I can, you know, kind of weave in and out. Right. Stop when I want. Right. I mean, there was a moment. There was a moment where I wasn't paying attention, and I almost totally ran like right into Jason's derailleur because I was just like, you know, holla, holla. And then lastly, there's a new acknowledgement that takes place when you have to ride together or live together. So, married people are going to hear this stuff and be like, "Yeah, duh," but it's amazing how much resistance there is in priestly life to this stuff. Um, when you're riding together, it draws out your own competitiveness and insecurities. You have to face the fact that you're like, I'm not as good as that guy, and I'm insecure about that, or I, I definitely think I'm better than that guy, and I get obsessed about beating him or whatever. Like When you ride by yourself, you just compete with yourself, and you're, you think you're fine. But when you're together, you have to acknowledge the fact that it's like, I'm a little out of shape, or... I'm a little obsessed with this or I really get triggered by this guy's comments or whatever. And there's something about that that's really good for us as priests that we have to kind of live 
in kind of we have to confront each other a little bit more than that instead of just thinking we're awesome because the people of God are too good to us right they really are they just are like you're amazing your homilies are amazing and you could just live from that and 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 that's what I discovered in the parish was like I I I got addicted to pastoral endorphins you know so the the endorphins that fire off just like biking it's just like this physiological process the activation of opiate receptors like these things are happening and then you get addicted to it and you're just like addicted to the the pastoral endorphins you can never leave your parish why because it's like i live from that feeling of that i'm needed by people right the feedback the feedback loop is closed right where it's just just keep telling me how awesome i am exactly you know and exactly. that, I mean, that's where it, at times when somebody actually tells you you're not awesome, at first there's the there's the rejection of that. You're like, how dare they? But then it's like, eh, they're probably right. And some of it's some of it's true. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. And I would just close um, this by saying, all of this kind of random topic tonight uh, about priestly fraternity and cycling is to say that uh, what we know about the human brain, you know, neurological studies, this goes back to our friend Stephanie Bielo, um, that when we're going together as teams, when we're riding together, and it, and it's expressed in priestly fraternity, it's the same in your marriages. It's that you need three things. The human the human mind, the brain needs, needs three things in, in order to function and to thrive. It needs community that's positive, consistent, and transparent. Positive, consistent, and transparent. And when you get that, um, you begin to avoid the illusions of your self-made, self-reliant life to thinking this is better because your brain actually changes in light of that. And we've done we've done podcasts on that. And Dr. Bielo's research is amazing in terms of the neuroscience of vulnerability and these different things. But a positive, consistent, and transparent community, you get this in place and things start to kind of roll out, you know. And you start to live together. And I think that that's, that's what we got to do. We're not living together, but we got to do that. Olo's got to do that. He's living in L.A., you know. Mikey right. Boy's got to do that. And uh, any priests or seminarians who are listening to this, you got to do that. You gotta, you got, we got to relive. We can't sit around and wait for our bishops to assign us into the perfect situation where we feel really fulfilled. We have to change the way that we're living, and that's going to des- really demand that we live differently in the way that we engage with our brothers. Yeah, I mean, it was even evident tonight. I mean, the fact that there were two priests at dinner tonight, I mean, I just felt like changed the whole dynamic because instead of 10 guys just looking to you, right. like, oh, you're going to tell us what we do now and whatever else. Like, I'm just there and I'm like, look at you guys. You don't have to do whatever he says. Yeah. <laughs> but then also it's just like, uh, yeah, we're kind of just dudes like you are, except we're ordained, you know? I mean, I used to look at priests and just be like, wow, look what you've done. But then sometimes when you see two priests together, they're like, wow, you guys, you guys are just normal dudes. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, I think it's true. Shout outs. Here we go. You ready? I think the point, if we can get take, let's take an action item home for this. Oh, wow. You've been in meetings all day. Yeah, exactly. My question would be, who 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 are the people in your life that you are you are with you're riding with you know that you're actually right. in community with i mean sometimes it's like oh man that's so 
you know, priests, you guys have a bunch of dudes that you guys ride with or whatever. That's cool. Like, I have no one. It's like, okay, well, do you actually feel like you're in a relationship with your spouse? Do you actually feel like you're in a relationship with your family? Do you actually feel like you're in a relationship with some other, you know, friends or virtuous, you know, friendships that you have, whether from work or church or, you know, basketball league or whatever else? Like, if you're just sort of riding solo and then all competing against each other, you're still falling in the same category. Yeah. Like, you're going to keep going, but you're not actually going to ride together. Yeah. And so you gotta you got to begin this. I mean, I had somebody say this to me the other, like, a long time ago. They said, I don't listen to the podcast anymore because you guys talk about community, but you don't live it. Oh. And I wow. said, I said, you know what? Like, but we're, well, we know what we need to be doing and we're trying. Wow. And that's where it's like... You say something like that, you say something like that, you better be doing something even better. Right. I mean, don't don't just say, well, you guys you guys aren't, you know, living up to everything you you think you could be. It's like, well, sorry, buddy. We don't have all the answers. But right. that's what I'm saying. Like, we should at least give you the encouragement of find these people, give it a go. Right. I gave my first and only homily at the seminary, and I said, listen, guys, the first half of my time in seminary, I was playing golf, and the second half, I realized I wanted to play rugby. Golf is a game. I love golf. It's a great game. But it's uh, everybody's playing their own game individually mm-hmm. as they're moving through the course. They're there around each other right. versus rugby where it's like you're just in the mess of it. you know. And I think that... Uh, we have to, and I think biking is a really great image for a Christian life. It's like um, get in Peloton with people and start living the life together, and don't sit back and wait for your pastor to make it happen. Right. And don't Agreed. accuse your priests who are trying to make it happen because it's really difficult. And if you actually were living it, you wouldn't make stupid comments like that because you'd realize this is actually really hard to do. It's really hard to live together. Well, and it's and it's the fact that I'm not living, I'm not living with other priests yet. Yeah. So. Anyways, that's your that's your take home. That's your take home. Shout outs. First one, shout out to Haley and Brian Mathay, who listen to the podcast. And we're listening to our last podcast yeah. together uh, on their way down to Creed. And Brian said, quote, Brian. Father Nathan's Tom Brokaw impersonation is a travesty. Brian Mathay, thank you so much for your comments. And they're asinine and petty. Really appreciate the fact that you would share your stupid Jayhawk opinion with a legal expert from K Stater. Passionate, not intelligent. Yeah, I saw that. John likes to every once in a while send me these text bombs where it's just like, "Hey, how's your day doing? Cool." Somebody just said that your Tom Brokaw impersonation is stupid. His name's Brian Mathay. I'm like, you know what, Brian Mathay, you're stupid. Don't freaking ruin my day with your freaking comment. This is why I do it, because it works, man. Dork. I know. Dork. I didn't like it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't like it. <laughs> Brian Mathay, I challenge you. I want you to send me... Why don't you send me your impersonation? That's right. That's a challenge. Yeah, do a little seal bark for me. <laughs> okay? I'll throw you a fish. All right, there we go. You're up. Oh. You got um, any shout-outs? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, this is from Monica Schultz. A seal bark. <laughs> uh, consider these bags of beaver nuggets as both a late Father's Day gift and a thank you uh, for coming to Emporia to honor Blaha. Uh, this is Monica Schultz. She's the um, 
a campus director at Emporia State. Uh, she was the one that uh, Project Jelly Belly was um, uh, designed with to surprise Nick Blaha. Um, uh, there were many uh, bumps along the road, but um, uh, she got to see the genuine delight of, of brothers being together. And for Nick, uh, he didn't he didn't have anybody. Um, he he doesn't have any you know priests around. Like I mean, he lives with another priest. But, I mean, he's not a companion or whatever. But Monica was super kind and sent us some uh, beaver nuggets, which I shared while you were in Rome. With who? While you were in the Rome. Monica, I never saw those. Yeah, she never saw them. They were uh, but then they were, um, they were, I think, on the the fly fishing trip. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, that's another trip without us. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So the package that I kept dishing on Goble that I thought was from Catholic Mutual Group was actually from Bonnie... Angstrom. Yeah, Bonnie Angstrom. And uh, we got this beautiful book, 61 Minutes to a Miracle, Fulton Sheen, and a True Story of the Impossible. So a beautiful story of her son and uh, a miraculous uh, healing. So check it out, uh, Google it, and support her. But a uh, really nice note from a podcast listener and really a beautiful story here. So look forward to reading it. I just got it today. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to so it. So Bonnie is from Eureka, Illinois, uh, where my... Technically cousin, but aunt, we call her Aunt Lisa, uh, goes to um, goes to mass as well. They're close friends. When I went to do Great Uncle Leo's funeral, Uncle Leo, Uncle Leo, you never call. Right. Um, Bonnie made a coffee cake. It was amazing. So, and then I found out later that she, it was her son that was healed for. Uh, uh, Fulton Sheen's cause. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So, looking forward to read this, buddy. Thank you for sending it. It's almost like I did the miracle, you know, <laughs> through the podcast. Look, I just want to, you know, on um, what's it called? Yeah, pound it. No, the ESPN uh, with uh, Tony Kornheiser and Around the Horn. Uh, in Around, Around the Horn. Around, yep. No, the what's the one with him and Michael Wilbon where they're going back know. together? Anyways, somebody's like yelling it right now. Anyways. They always say, what do we get wrong? You know, what do we get wrong? What Brian Mathay, you know, you, oh, probably do a, you probably do a great impression. I do want to hear it. Just tell your friend, Father John, don't freaking share a text just, you know, out of nowhere and just be like, hey, I'm just going to take a bird poop on your day. <laughs> Brian Mathay says your Tom Brokaw impression stinks. I'm like, you know what? We're back in high school. I like school. Brian Mathay. We're back in high school. But you are a Jayhawk, and I'm sorry for that. Yeah, that's I'm true. sorry you're a Jayhawk. I'd like to give Maria Longo a final shout out. This is Ellie Reinhardt's um, roommate out east, and she's a podcast listener faithful. Remember Ellie from the Total Eclipse of the Sun? Oh, really? Did she? Was she the one that that tried to get the? Um, she one tried to get the rock and then threw it back. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, but. It's also about 11.30 at night, so it's probably time to go to bed. It is time to go to bed. I had to take Mike and Stephanie to the airport today, so... All right. Nothing I can do to the eclipse of the heart. Well, I hope uh, somebody found this interesting tonight, other than my uh, podcasting partner. But we've been talking about this all summer, so I don't expect you to be riveted by the topic. Got it. I'll save my other shout-outs for later. Folks... Right now, uh, we are uh, we're ready for bed. It's been great. 
we're going to bed separately, and uh, the Peloton ends at around 11.30. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative, uh, fully in line with the teachings of the church. Uh, we'll see you later. Have a great week. Thank you.